You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, stranger. The Opus is moving out and into a new season as we continue to explore the ongoing legacy of music's most iconic records. I'm your host, Adam Unz, and this season we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of Billy Joel's fifth studio album, The Stranger, a record whose critical and commercial success catapulted the piano man to superstardom. Helping us explore this classic collection are artists like Billy Joel's drummer, Liberty DeVito, Regina Spector, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Rozzy, Lissy, The Arkells, Bayside's Anthony Renari, and Ben Folds. Great music shapes lives, shakes rafters, and embeds itself into our culture. So let's find out why only the good die young as we deep dive into The Stranger. The new season is out now and is brought to you by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy Recordings. Find us at consequence.net or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I talk to artists about the single artwork that's most inspired them. How the hell are ya? So, it's October. It's the back end of October, which means Halloween is right around the corner, which means this is going to be a very spooky episode. (laughs) Sorry, that's about as good as it gets for a spooky voice from me. I'm going to be talking to pop superstars Heights about their love for uh, an extremely scary movie, Hereditary. Um, this is a very spoiler-tastic episode. If you have not seen Hereditary and you don't want it spoiled for you, you might want to watch it first. But it's a super, super fun chat. Basically, the things I'm looking for in a guest are people who are engaged with the subject they're talking about, knowledgeable about that subject, and fun interesting people to talk to. And the boys from Heights qualify in all three of those respects. So I'm very excited for you to hear this. Uh, Quick facts about Heights. The band name is spelled H-Y-Y-T-S, and they are Sam and Adam, two lifelong friends from Glasgow, Scotland, who make pop music that veers from dark to euphoric. They also have made quite a few horror-themed music videos, which are excellent, and you should watch them. Uh, facts about Hereditary. It is a 2018 American horror film written and directed by Ari Aster. It stars Tony Collette, Alex Wolfe, Millie Shapiro, and Gabriel Byrne as a family haunted by a mysterious presence after the death of their secretive grandmother. That is a very simple, not very specific overview of that movie. And it gets weirder and scarier from there. Just a warning, uh, this movie has a lot of gross stuff in it, and we talk about it, so if you are squeamish at all, that's another thing you should be aware of. But uh, as I said, it's a great chat. Can't wait for you to hear it, so let's not wait. Here comes my chat with Heights about Hereditary. So, Hereditary. 
So, uh, do you remember becoming aware of the film for the first time? Yes. Um, me and Adam at the time, we lived together in this weird little flat, kind of completely separated from all of our friends and family, and kind of went a little bit mental for a little while, and we got really, really obsessed with horror films. Um, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, like Piranha, Sharknado, what was the what was the what was the Hobo one you with mentioned? Shotgun. Classic. <laughs> with a shotgun. <laughs> one, two. I think there's a third one that I haven't seen, but there's two at least. Almost definitely there's a third one. Um, <laughs> and then obviously the good ones like you know all Hitchcock's and um, The Shining and all you know the, the classics, the ones that you've heard of. Um, and we saw this was coming out. I saw the advert for it, and it just like looked visually amazing, and it's kind of rare that you get like a really high quality, thoroughly watchable horror film come out. So both me and Adam saw that and we booked tickets to um we booked tickets for the for the launch and we saw it on the launch night or the premiere night and which I'd never done before and I think it's the only time I've ever done that. Um and we've each seen it like seven or eight times. Well maybe not that many times, but like four or five times since. Mm. Yeah. I watched it last night for the second time and caught all these things that I hadn't seen before and was even more impressed just like you know being in on the uh the plot being you know knowing what was going to happen having mm. the ability to pick out little clues about the satanic death cult uh and <laughs> where where they were leading everybody um from the beginning was really cool yeah and that was another thing when you watch it more times than one, because I've seen it like Sansa maybe four or five times. The woman that's like the, 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 the thinks just like Tony Clark thinks just her friend, mm. but then is the D is like the main kind of like witch woman. She's fucking mental. And that character, yeah. I was like, that's that's so good. Because at first, I remember the first time I watched it, and I was like, she seems kind of weird, but like mm. she's such she's so good at just being like that's nice. She just looks like well, she looks like a slightly bigger version. Of my mom, if mom watches this, I don't think you look like that, but she's just like a mom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She's like, and yeah, and I was like, no way is it? But she was so good at like being friendly and like nice, and mm. then and then the bit where the mom, the, the Tony Clips knocking on her door and it zooms out, and she's got all photos of the family up on these weird candle things. I was like, fuck that that yeah. bit. Like when you know that that's coming, when you see her. It's like shit, man. It's really, really. Yeah, I, I completely agree, man. Uh, like, I think the way the way you put it, like being in on not the joke, but whatever it is, the horror is like one of the best things about it. And I think you can really judge films on like repeat viewing if you can watch it again and again, and it gets better. Like, I literally, as like I said, maybe fourth or fifth time watching the day, and it was the best yet. Uh, yeah, that woman, um, Anne Dowd. Do yes. either of you watch The Handmaid's Tale? No, but no, I've, I've never really seen good. it. There's. I'm sure you've heard of people talking about Aunt Lydia, who's like the really mean, she's almost like a nun in the show. That's her in Handmaid's Tale. And she's a a character actor who's like in everything, but she's one of those people who can totally disappear into a role. And it's so good for something like this because you don't know if she's part of the, you know, evil conspiracy or if she's just trying to be helpful or what yeah. the deal is because she's such a good actor and she's so convincing mm. and the way that it's laid out it's like obviously uh part of this huge nefarious plot that's been going on for maybe decades um but the way she just is you know is so empathetic and just saying my child died too i yeah, want to help here's my phone number just you know no pressure 
and just really slowly weasels her way into Tony Collette's life. It's it's just oh, it's, it's, it's amazing, so and that's and I think that's the, one of the best decisions he made was hiring such an amazing actor for that part because that's the part in horror movies which would usually be like oh it doesn't matter we'll just cast whoever because whatever but the, like her being such a good actor made it so different because it's like even in the bit where she's performing the seance and then she's like loving it and Tony Collette's freaked out and she's like you just get little hints of in her performance of like oh she might be evil but then you know she is and it actually makes it last so much longer because it's quite a long film as well that's what i realized when i was watching it again it's like two and a half hours i think and you know the big thing happens like the again you said that we can spoil it <laughs> but the, yeah, yeah, um, yeah yeah the girl dies in like like not way before halfway through because i was like looking at it and being like shit it's like there's loads left and i don't i remember that being the big moment in the cinema when i was like mm. fucking hell i've never seen anything like this and like like i was saying i think um the the main thing like for me that we were talking about the duality of like the the horror of it like it's a horror about i think you said this yourself about this mad demon cult and also kind of about this family thing and i think like the the feeling that i had of watching it was like a mad like i think the best kind of films put you in the shoes of whoever you know of the characters i was just like, imagine you did that to your wee sister you know like and that, and that affected me in like the way that no horror movie ever really has because i was like I actually feel like I imagine that happened and then also at the end and like it was, as i was saying i think what annoyed some people was that it was this amazing story and then all of a sudden this mad demon cult came in and they were like maybe do one or the other but i love that i think that was so much better i think like for me the whole bit at the end you've kind of seen before i think he still did it in such a visually striking way that it was different but the whole thing of like the mum's floating on the um side of the room and he's walking about the house and he's basically being hunted by this person that he thought was there to look after him that's like an amazing thing that has kind of been done by things before but then all of a sudden Ari Aster just chucks in a bunch of fucking weird naked people smiling and i was like right. the creativity right. of doing that i'm just like almost like you know what it reminded me of in this sense like quite a pretentious thing to say but i love billy eilish and i love phineas and i think when they make their music it's like it's like what a six-year-old would do not in like a bad way if you were given something and you were like just be creative they were like okay well the song's a bit fire so let's use a, a lighter it's like Ari Aster being like, I just want to throw the most creative, weird thing at it because that's interesting to me. And I think through growing up and especially, I think you can tell this is his first movie too because I think if you'd done a bunch of films, you'd probably like learn those bad habits. Oh, well, you can't do that because that's, you know, people will think this and think that. And he's like, no, I just took a bunch of fucking naked people in because it's mental and that's what horror is mm. about. So to me, that really spoke. And I understand that maybe um, made some people think this is a bit weird, but I loved it. Also, I, I just think if it had literally just been throwing in a bunch of naked people yeah. for no reason. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, it, it would maybe seem a bit like over the top or, you know, not not a logical decision, but it's like so carefully plotted and just mm. having the end be that voiceover from and out again, like giving an explainer, but it doesn't feel like, um, you know, sometimes in, in scripts, all of the exposition, like all the stuff that, uh, it, you know, f- figuring out what's going on between the characters is explained in like a really clunky speech. Where <laughs> yeah, like, I hate that. Jane, I was talking to your husband Robert today about your, you know, like really yeah. spoon feeding the audience plot, and yeah. this felt like something that you can imagine being said in this moment. Not that any of us are going to be part of a uh, well, satanic ritual that actually raises speak a demon. For yourself, I mean, man. There's speak time. For speak for <laughs> yourself. There's time. Um, Anything's no. possible this this year, especially. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I I completely I completely agree, man. The dialogue throughout felt so so real, and what what 
I found really interesting about it was like there's obviously like massive anxiety throughout the film. Like as soon as as soon as the heads hit off, there's like the film the film is just full of anxiety. Um, you know, in the classroom, as you said, Adam, like the, the anxieties of being in school again and um the anxieties of being around the dinner table with your family when there's tensions there and stuff like that. But what reinforces all of that and what kind of I feel settles you into the film even more in a really spooky way is there's not a massive score on it. The, the film is not scored mm. heavily. It's all quite like, you know, like organic sounds or whatever. And what stuck out to me and what I remember about the film, I, I didn't, I haven't watched it in a, a little while, but what I remember so profoundly is as soon as the head is hit off um, in, the, in the car, it just goes completely silent. You hear the roll of the head on the floor and it's completely yeah. silent for about 20 seconds. You hear the squeal of the wheels and the brother come out and scream. And it is just so mentally impactful mm. and scary and clever the way that they've worked yeah. the sound of it all and just and and paired with the dialogue and paired with the visuals and all that it's just or actually like a, a, the 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 realness of the dialogue and the realness of the the audio that you get is so opposing to like so much of the visual stuff you're getting it's so, such an interesting mix. Um, that's, that's a really good point. I think like the, and and then when the score does happen, it really it really is the same as like what you were just saying like most like like you said the dialogue's really authentic but then there's these like some completely surrealist shots the same with the music like it doesn't when it does happen it's like i, I just listened to it again now i never realized how good the the score is it's like mm. really triumphant it's not like what you would usually think of horrors like meyer and like creepy it has that at moments like with the strings and stuff but the big bit at the end it's like all major and like victorious and like brass and like really kind yeah. of housing it's like yeah. and that, that's like what a genius decision to make you know i think it's just I just love it's the same with music or any kind of art like when someone you can tell just loves doing it and loves being creative in every aspect he's gone I want the score to do this and he's found someone that can do that really well and he you know every aspect you can tell he's just loving creating something and you can when you love I just love watching someone that loves doing that you know we should have a we should have a love counter like how many times, <laughs> yeah. how many times Adam yeah. says love <laughs> yeah. and play a, a drinking game take a shot every time um, yeah. You're gonna be uh, esteeming as us Scottishmen now. We're not yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but another thing I noticed watching it last night is um, there are bits where the sound drops out completely, and it's like mm. uh, not you know losing just the music, not the fact that nobody's speaking. It's like all the ambient noise is gone too, and it's just like absolute dead silence that's unnatural for even what the character would be experiencing but it's really effective it just adds this kind of like jarring feeling to it mm. um so little little things like that that um and you know as as we were saying before like uh um the stuff with uh the dollhouse effect you know mm. uh filming things uh, filming the interiors and in, uh, studio so that the walls can be taken away and uh the real life stuff can kind of mirror the dollhouses that Tony Collette is making. Um, and just that touch, that feels like it reminds me of um, kind of Michelle Gondry stuff or, you know, being, mm. being John Malkovich, like mm. uh, kind of puppet making, obviously in a much more horrific mm. setting, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that, of that, that stuff. That's, that's true. While you were on that, I think the, um, I think that that's really cool. A lot of his stuff you can, when you say, oh, it's like this and it's like that, it's really horror people. I think usually if you're like talking about a horror movie, that's why, again, like why I love Get Out so much and I love Oz, Jordan Peele's second film. But obviously the first one's more of like a statement because it was his first one. I think like when you're comparing it to other things, it's not just, oh, it was like that horror movie where this happened. It's like, it's, you're more talking about like other 
kind of more auteurs, like actual filmmakers that maybe play with genre or whatever, but it's not just like, oh, it was like Insidious or it was like The Conjuring or it was like a really good scary movie. Um, it mm. was like, it's, you compare it to other genres too. Yeah, but also the, you know, that big shocking moment where the little girl gets decapitated, um, that kind of felt like a, a callback to me to almost like something like Psycho. Because, you know, when Psycho came mm. out, like, Janet Lee was this huge star and nobody would ever have guessed that she would be killed off in the first reel. And I remember seeing trailers for Hereditary where it was like that little girl making the tongue clicking noise. Yeah. And you thought that she was like maybe going to be the main villain or something because she's, you know, unusual looking. Yeah. Um, And yeah, the shock of just having that happen. And that, that, that fun fact is based on a real event as well oh, God, that's where really? he got the idea for the oh, whole wow. film is this Ooh. guy was driving his friend home and he was really drunk and felt sick and so he opened the window to get some air and got oh, decapitated no. by the oh, telephone pole so and the same thing he drove home with a headless body and fell asleep in his car and somebody found him Whoa. asleep in his car that's horrific <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God! Well, that's that's put a new whole new <laughs> aspect on it. That's good. <laughs> but like, like you were saying yeah. as well, like with the, I think he, that shows that he even wanted to be artistic with the trailer. You know what I mean? He was like, because I remember thinking, I didn't remember it until just now, but thinking exactly the same as you when I saw going to the movie, thinking, oh, it's this movie about this like little girl that's like haunted or and with demons. And when she died, I was like, I cannot, I cannot believe this. It's like, and I love. That's why I loved like I know this is quite a normy thing to like, but I, that's why I loved Game of Thrones so much. Is like you, you're, you, a lot of times when you go and watch a movie, it's great, but you can tell well he's gonna get a girl and he's gonna die, and you know. And I think like when it really shocks you, that's where I'm like edge of my seat. Like I love it. Yeah, just subverting expectations constantly, 100%. and especially for horror, it's like you want to be surprised. You don't. I mean, I don't, there is something to be said about really formulaic bullshit, where it's you know you know exactly what you're going to get, and it's just like people being chased down a hall by a killer or whatever. That's a very specific kind of thing. Or but with something like yeah. this, yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> She's done a <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the whole Piranha series? Have you committed to all of them? I've not. No, but that's maybe tonight's task. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I would say eh, don't don't rush, don't rush. <laughs> um, but uh, also just uh, talking again about the brilliance of the cast, like uh, Tony Collette, who is just an absolute legend. And the part of it is the script as well and the storytelling, but the way that she's able to convey these complex emotions and like her complicated relationships with everyone in her family and there's all of this underlying tension uh about her relationship with her mother and all of that bleeding into her work that she's making these really detailed scenes of really personal moments in her life that you know obviously her husband again gabriel byrne who is also a legend right. like all of these people perfectly cast um and the scenes with the two of them together in particular were just like really incredible where they're kind of arguing about their children or arguing mm. about um her reaction to their daughter's death really really inspired really amazing i, I agree so um so well acted i think that's the thing about like horror movies get a bad rap for like bad acting and this is like show them show someone that says that this movie because it's like definitely not yeah yeah i don't I don't know if this is a, a testament to um, to the their acting. I've just completely forgotten her name. Mum, what's she called? Tony Collette. Been, so, uh, yeah, exactly. Tony Collette. Her um, her 
Um, I know we've just mentioned her name like 300 times there. Um, <laughs> but the, the, do you see the scene where her husband's uh, Gabriel Burns on fire, completely like mm. immersed in flames? And I still don't, I still don't fully understand how she's reacting to that. But do you, do you guys know? Because she's like in shock. But I'm not sure if it, that was her plan all along, or if that was, you know an accident and she wanted his body savored for like the whole sacrifice or whatever or if he was in on it or whatever. Well, no he definitely wasn't in on it but like i still don't understand that because it was so like there was obviously she, she obviously meant to have like a confused like mental look on her face and she at that point in the film she'd completely lost her mind um to pay him on or whatever but i just don't I, that that scene still puzzles me i i think in i mean just having watched it last night in that moment you know there's like this kind of streak of light that comes across every time the demon is kind of present and she's really freaking out and then that thing happens yeah. where like this bit of light comes over her face and then her eyes kind of go dead so that is when she gets possessed yeah, of course. Um, I forgot but, about uh, that yeah just like uh, and the, the intensity like uh, all of that stuff building and building and building and having that moment where it's like her eyes just go blank and she's like yeah, I found that mental. Of course, shuts it off. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, um, she was giving it so much, like ah, and it's just like yeah. Even to be able to do that is really hard. I was like, yeah. I, I like, mm. I, I mean, acting is really hard. That's why I don't know how to do it. But I think like even just to like try and do that, be like ah, it's like really weird to do it. She's like just. I, I, well, I, you just nailed it. You just nailed did it. Did I? Because <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like acting like you think, right? Like getting into a part and feeling the role and like feeling the emotions that your character is going through and it's also just like being able to control your face like physically or like actually like mm. you know like mm. we're going a little bit i'm going a little bit off of, uh subject but for example like nicholas cage i think he's like an amazing actor a lot of people think he's a bit of a joke but his ability to just use his body and face in like a way that translates across you could be watching like a movie without the sound on with him and you'd still get most of it you know so like i think like the fact that she's yeah. able to even able to do that i think again just He's just made every right decision. Now he asked her, like in the casting and and everything. Did you did you see Midsummer? Mm-hmm. Did you like? Did, what did you prefer that or did you prefer Hereditary? What did you think? I I prefer Hereditary. Do you? Um, so, yeah, and yeah, lots of people, too. almost everyone that I talked to says the opposite, but I prefer Hereditary. For really? Sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, Hereditary is quite clearly in front for me. I think. Yeah. Um, it's a different, it's a different, a completely different kind of horror film. I think, like. Midsummer is just uncomfortable from the start. And it's such a weird level of uncomfortable. It's like insanity. It's like a, a, it's two hours of psychosis, pretty much. Yeah. Whereas, mm, but like with like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think the um, the thing in some ways, like Midsummer's almost a bit more of a you know, it's it's totally fucked up. It's not conventional in any way, but the, there's something about the structure of it that's a bit more conventional, like people kind of being picked off one by one and mm. that the, you know, what we've been talking about, the complexity with um, Hereditary having these dual narratives that are interlinked, but this family drama and this supernatural insanity happening at the same time and all mm. handled so realistically in, in such a grounded way and also having those three, you know, uh, and out Tony Collette and um, Gabriel Byrne, who like w- what you were saying, like acting in close up is, is really difficult because it's like about expressing emotion just with your face, with your eyes, all of those things. And all three of them are so brilliant at that, um, especially Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 
the the emotional content i felt it a bit more because like it, it's weird that there are a lot of parallels like the you know um midsummer starting again uh, again even earlier with like a huge family tragedy yeah um but maybe it's about having time to get to know the little girl in hereditary a bit more that it feels more shocking that she's really a part of the story mm, um, and in midsummer it's like the family are just kind of off screen and you don't really get to know anything about them i think that's a really good point i think yeah yeah like you said like they're they're very different films so it's not like and i did i did love midsummer too and i actually think i came out of midsummer more like affected i remember going to buy um like sheets from my bed and i thought everyone in the shop was going to kill me like i was like severely <laughs> i was like this is not okay and there was a moment when i was like i was watching it with my girlfriend and, and i think you were there too sam right but somewhere was yeah 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 and there's a bit where like they start like they start to like trip out on the drugs and it was and it was i just was like oh, this is i don't like this at all <laughs> it's yeah. like this reminds me of like uh a couple times that i've been like that it's gone wrong and like it was so realistic of like taking hallucinogenics and taking too much, and I was like, "This is a bit fucking real for me." Like, I'm again. I just I felt like I love that his films are so realistic and such these and these ridiculous, you know, demons and in the summer people with like fucking lungs out the back, like wings and like mental things. But it's so realistic and the and you feel like that's actually happening to you the way that he frames it, rather than if you go and see like you know another kind of horror movie and you're like oh the people are getting killed and it's it, that sucks but you don't ever feel like you're there and you're in the thing i i think to me it was like i know part of it is like the vulnerability of being on drugs and having other people around you who you know might want to take advantage of that but mm. the I, I throughout midsummer i kept wondering why none of them were wanting to leave why none of them yeah. at any point there was you know or it took a really long time for any of them to want to leave and in hereditary the as as we've said like the subtlety of the way that the cult's involvement in this family's life builds it feels totally realistic to me like anybody could have been fooled by that and that i suppose in a way it's also you know taking advantage of tony collette's grief that it's like using um this terrible thing as a, a means of kind of infiltrating this family and taking it over but i found all of that really compelling and convincing in a way that like i i didn't quite get from from midsummer i i think you i think you're right yeah i think like I'm, I'm, i was the same midsummer and there was kind of like there was kind of that thing of like oh they're writing like a thesis so they like have to stay and then they're like arguing over who gets to write the thesis and that was a little bit like i don't know if that's a strong enough reason i'd be like fuck my dissertation i don't want to die in sweden i'm gonna go home do you know what i mean <laughs> but these guys seem to like no, no no i'm gonna die for this dissertation so i was a bit like oh and that's the same thing i think like when you're talking about hereditary like with a lack of like clunky con like not context but um exposition that I, I think that's such a good part of it it's like at no point is he like over explaining for you just watching what happens there's no like and here's why this didn't happen and here's why they didn't do this and like the the, the whole thing even like the bit because i remember thinking like when i was watching it i was like i know that i know that he needs to die so that they can use his body I don't remember how you found that out. And it's literally just as simple as that. There's one bit it's shown to you for like 10 seconds in a book that she's reading, a thing that's highlighted. I think that's like enough, you know, rather than like mm -hmm. seeing it two or three times or like, so, or like it being written into like a plot that like they somehow know this or talk about this fact, like just kind of giving you the information and letting you like go with it. Well, yeah, it's like, it's, it's not undermining the, the viewer, isn't it? It's like, I think Ari Aster has quite a lot of trust in, in, in his viewers, doesn't he? Which is fucking amazing. Like the, the only other person that I can really 
relay that to is Christopher Nolan. Like both of them, neither of them have any um, problems with making films that are quite complex, and the whole you know structure of these films are quite complex, or like the progression of these films are quite complex. And it's the same way. It can you can boil that back down to music as well. Like it's you don't have to dilute your message just to get it across to more people. People are quite smart and they pick up on a lot of these things and it's just cool to see that in like worldwide cinema. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And also I, I guess while we're talking about uh the cast of Hereditary, it would uh be rude to leave out the children, um and uh Alex Wolf who plays the son again yeah. mm. like that scene in the classroom where he like bashes his head against the desk yeah, and he's no. like screaming and screaming and screaming incredible and yeah. that kind of acting it's like it seems like just going mental and is an easy kind of acting because it is so broad yeah. um but it, the look on his face everything about that scene is so horrifying because he's just like he, absolutely can't comprehend what's happening to him and yeah i think he deserves a lot of credit too and um the daughter whose name is i think it's millie shapiro and you can give oh, me wow did wow. i yes yeah 10 <laughs> points i don't um, know i've always remembered her name i think it's because it reminds me of ben shapiro <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but uh all i can think of when i think of her now is like what a cross to bear for the rest of her life oh, to know, be right? this like creepy kid from this movie i know um, and i wonder what her school life is like well she's oh, she's man. an e-girl on tiktok now my girlfriend showed me she was like do you remember the girl from hereditary I'm like, yeah she's like she's she's like an e-girl on tiktok now she like dyes her hair and like does dances and stuff so she's living her best life she's man, doing fine which, yeah Great. which we're happy to know Great. but yeah happy yes, that's like a, a whole other question right obviously there's like the whole question of like should you put your kids in films or in show business um, and then like horror movies is like a whole other thing. I remember like my mum, because she grew up watching horror movies too. And she says, you remember like the, the girls in the, that were in the poltergeist. I think the director, I can't remember his name or if it was someone famous or what, but I think he wanted to keep them scared. So he like didn't really tell them what was going to happen. And I think they were like scarred for years. So it's like a whole other level of like, do you let your kids be in a film? Do you let them be in like a horror film where they're going to potentially be scared on set and also just have this, like, like you said, cross to bear of like being this creepy person for the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Or even just if you want to carry on being an actor, um, when you have a role that's that iconic, getting out of yeah. the it can be really hard. Alex, did Alex Wolf not suffer like quite serious mental health issues after or during filming Hereditary? Did he? I didn't know. I remember, I remember reading somewhere. I think he like went into like psychosis therapy after it because it was such an intense he was in the naked brothers band when he was a little kid so maybe maybe that's maybe that's your thing because <laughs> he had to really prepare for that role yeah <laughs> he was like method acting and stuff do, do you remember the naked brothers definitely band? <laughs> yeah no i do do you not remember it was like him and his brother and they were like a rock band. it was like jonas brothers but like like oh, diet jonas brothers it was really good amazing so i couldn't believe it. i was i know this guy's face and then i looked him up i was like holy shit because he has because he has such a good actor this he has a bunch of shots too it's like right on his face and like you know props to him because the only other people that have that are like you said Gabriel Byrne and Tony Follett who like you're like veterans you know them but like him to come in and to hold his own in that respect because like I think one of the last shots is like just his face and he's like so he's just so mm. all there so yeah really good yeah and the way he balances again like the his side of the family drama just being like a teenager and 
you know, uh, like you were saying before, Sam, like uh, doing normal teenage stuff and going to parties and, and whatever, that all feels really real. But then he's also having to deal with, you know, his family being sucked into a satanic cult. Yeah, ridiculous. And, and, and like the whole thing of like his mum not really accepting. That was the thing, Dean, when you were talking about that, like the bit when she's talking, when she first talks about how she had the lighter and, or the match and the um, paint stripper or whatever it was. And she, because the first time I watched it, I was like, oh, she was just like sleepwalking. And then and it was only this time, like the third or fourth time that I was like, I think she maybe did almost, like did mean to do it. Because she says, and I, of course I didn't mean it. Of course I was sleepwalking. I was sleep, she says it like four or five times. I was like, mm-hmm. were you sleepwalking? <laughs> were right. You sleepwalking? But that, the dream that she has where she's talking to him and is yeah. like, I didn't want you. And I really wanted, I tried everything that I could to have a miscarriage yeah. and all yeah. of that shit. It's like, Mental. there's all of this other stuff. And that stuff isn't even really fully explored as much. It's like, it no. just these kind of hints about what her relationship was with her mother and yeah. um, all of that stuff. And the way that she talked, like her eulogy at, the, at her mother's funeral, where she's like, oh, yeah. my mother was a complicated woman. Uh, also, other little clues where she's like, there's, uh, it's wonderful to see so many new faces here. Yeah, that's know, exactly what I thought. full of secrets. And, yeah, yeah, when I was watching the scene, I was like, shit, I never got that. And it's like, she's like, who the fuck are all these people? And then they're like, they're like, and from right at the start, I remember remembering this bit and being like, that's a creepy bit. But now, like, Fred was like, ah, like right from the start, the guy's like smiling at the wee girl and she's like looking yeah. at his granny. Yeah. That's like yeah. shit because and, then like you said having the naked people then at the end like completely makes sense because you're like right in the fucking first scene they were doing this. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there also a, a really a really fun hint was when they're talking about when um um Tony Collette's talking about her brother who killed himself and she said um he he said he always complained that his his mother was trying to put people inside of him. Mm. And mm. he got he got um uh, section for schizophrenia. And then all you know, obviously, all that comes to make sense towards the end of the film, where she was gen, she was literally trying to put a demon inside of him. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, man. And 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 she was, and my father starved to death, which is like nice as it sounds. It's like this woman really fucking committed to Satanism, didn't she? She starved her husband to death, she made her son <laughs> kill himself. I'm like, do you know what? Props, props to Anne or yeah. whatever her name was. <laughs> Yeah, pay, yeah, payment must have been given out some fucking good cash. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but and then she's she's dead. She doesn't even get anything. The mum is like, yeah, has a but, you know rotting dead body. Is it part of the deal that she gets to come back to life? Yeah, yeah. No, I I don't think so. I think like the whole sacrifice to payment is that you're guaranteed or like you're you're supplied with like fortune and a good luck and mm. whatever in the, in the, in the past and the, um, afterlife or whatever. But yeah, mm. it's like, uh, it's, I don't, yeah, I'm, I'm not really too sure. She, well, she's there yeah. as a ghost, isn't she? That one bit, like quite yeah. early on. Cause Tony Collette sees it. Yeah. She's like, what the fuck? And it's, that's like the first really scary bit. No, like, oh, no, I think she's, is she not still alive then when she's like standing in the doorway and she's all like no. lit up white? I think, she, I think well, that's, that's a couple like a of days before she dies. No, no, because she dies right at the start. She's dead at the start. All oh, right, true, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, you're completely uh, right, yeah. And she, like, sees her, and she's like, is that... She, she even says, she's like, Mom? Um, but... What you yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Mama? But I don't yeah. know what... Um, <laughs> if, if that... If what she gets from it. I, yeah, because they have a photo of her up, and it's like, they call her the queen or whatever, and then mm. I don't know if, like, her spirit just lives on in this mad demon guy, but yeah. Yeah. Either way, it seems like a big commitment, a lot of effort. Um, yeah. I hope she hope she got something out of it in the end. 
Just start gambling or something. Just start gambling. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. You don't even have to kill your whole family. Yeah. <laughs> it's easy. Hit the, exactly. Hit the bottle or something. Do something else, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that is, I think, a fantastic place to stop. You guys have been very generous with your time. I really appreciate it. No, not at all, um, man. Thank you so much for having us on here. If people listening to this want to find your music and know what you guys are doing and keep up with you, what is the best way to do that? Uh, oh, the the usual suspects. Gabriel Byrne, the usual suspects. Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, Spotify. Hyyts is the very pretentious spelling of our band's name. It's pronounced Heights. And yeah, we've got loads of stuff going on. Uh, cool music videos, which are very inspired by uh, horror movies. If you are a fan of horror movies, they're all on YouTube too. So yeah, please go and check them out. Awesome, great. Uh, thank you so much for having us on, man. Thanks so much for having yeah. us on, man. A pleasure. It's so fun to talk about something and you're so like clued up and intelligent about it it's really like it's just just a fun thing to do stop (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yeah same same to you this was really this was really great guys thank you so much amazing thanks so much adam take care bye 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 thanks again to sam and adam for chatting with me what great guys that was so much fun Okay, so again, uh, Halloween is coming up, so I thought my inspirational artwork for this week should be a spooky one as well. So my suggestion is the film adaptation of Gerald's Game, which is a Stephen King book. It was directed by Mike Flanagan, who also directed The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor, which was just released on Netflix. I think Mike Flanagan does a really great job of elevating Stephen King's works. Gerald's Game was not, in my mind, the best Stephen King book, but I think Mike Flanagan takes the bones of some of Stephen King's lesser works and turns them into something great. It's a pretty simple story. A married couple are staying in a cabin in the woods, and the man decides to spice up their sex life by handcuffing his wife to the bed, and then he promptly dies of a heart attack. So it's kind of a psychological horror, the woman having to deal with the fact that she's trapped in the middle of nowhere, handcuffed to this bed. Uh, And there are little elements of the movie that are kind of soap opera-y, but overall, it's really creepy, really effective, and Carla Gugino, who plays the wife, is incredible. So, uh, yeah, check that out. It's on Netflix, I think everywhere, internationally. So it should be readily available to you. So there you go. Something spooky just in time for Halloween. So as is always the case, I want to hear from you about your inspirational artworks, spooky or otherwise. You can DM me at Spark Parade on all social media. You can email me info at thesparkparade.com. So send those in and I might read them out on the show. Uh, Also, if you are in the United States, vote, vote, vote. The election is coming up very soon. Make sure that you vote as soon as you can safely. Uh, Another resource that I've discovered is called BallotReady.org. A problem that I've had in the past is checking out down ballot races, things like judges and city council people, and there's not a lot of information about them. So this website, BallotReady.org, gives you a sample ballot with information about all of the candidates so that you can make an informed decision. Pretty cool, right? And that is it. I'll be back next week with another exciting episode. So for now, take care of yourself. Stay safe. Until next time. Bye.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.